You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Rundar. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight, man? Doing good, dude. I was playing some card games already today, but it wasn't LOR actually, although not for lack of interest, because I've been having a ton of fun. I actually just got finished playing some of the Lord of the Rings cooperative card game with my dad. Uh, it was really fun. We just met up uh, after work and uh, and busted out the old cooperative card game. Uh, for those of you who never heard of this, it's a fantasy flight like cooperative game, but it's a living card game. So like you get a base set and it gives you enough to play and play through a bunch of like story based scenarios. And then as you buy sets, you get access to both more cards for you to build your decks, but also more cards to mix in new scenarios for villains and enemies and stuff. It's a really fun game with so much flexibility and enjoyment. Uh, and we've been kind of collecting the packs for a while. And we, uh, we actually played uh, today. We were sailing around in the gray Havens looking for a, uh, a shrine to, Morgoth, who in the Lord of the Rings was the big bad evil guy that Sauron used to work for. So pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've uh, I've been really into Lord of the Rings recently because I think last episode I highlighted my brother and I had played a bunch of Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth, which is a fantasy flight miniatures game for Lord of the Rings. And uh, Amazon Prime announced their uh, more information about their uh, Lord of the Rings, in which they announced their Lord of the Rings show has a $1 billion budget. It's being filmed in New Zealand in the same areas that the original trilogy was filmed in, and it is being set in the second era before the forging of the nine, or the however many rings, right? There's more than nine. There's nine for the humans, and then uh, seven there's for dwarves three, or three. So yeah, what, there's 19 rings or whatever have you. 19, well, and then, and then one. Yeah, 19. And then so the 20 one. rings. 20 rings. So, but before Lots the forging, rings. yes, before the forging <laughs> of the 20 rings, the it's going to be set. <laughs> which, and, which sounds way less cool than the one ring, you know, or the three before rings. Before the forging of the 20 rings. Uh, it does. It does sound a little, <laughs> but it is making me, because I have the exact game that you're talking about, the Lord of the Rings living card game. I have the base box that's been sitting here forever like i've had it for a year and a half and i've never i've read the rules and i've never played it and i need to play it probably solo first and then uh i'm sure it would be it would be enjoyable because it's so hard to track down like i looked up and i try to like start finding the like the packs to like start collecting and Mm -hmm. it's so hard to find them um it is really it's really really hard to find them but i i did get to play card games today as well but i streamed some lor this morning um played some ladder played a little bit of ladder and uh did really we did quite well we ended up uh reaching silver two um and uh, i found myself off stream playing lor the past couple days as well simply because i've really been like super digging this uh it's linear and like it's a little bit boring but there's some interesting decisions to make in it um in this jarvin uh and uh garen deck garen jarvin uh mono demacia Mm -hmm. bannerman elite deck and um it's been fun like it's been it's been way more fun 
than I honestly thought it was going to be. Um, and there are some like, there's some pretty interesting, there's a lot of board centric decks right now. And so mm-hmm. there's like some, even like the, like the, the NASA's kindred stuff that we're going to talk about is relatively board centric with some of the stuff that it plays. And there's some really interesting decisions to make about like when to build a board and like when to go ham and go aggro and when to try to get to like the Garen Jarvan or when to like not put Jarvan down, but Sithria is actually better in this situation than, than Jarvan would be. Um, and like, uh, it, it is, it's really, it's really a really fun deck. And so we, I piloted that today, uh, with a pretty decent amount of success. We went from like, I think we went from like the bottom of silver three up to like the middle of silver two today. Um, really, really. And I think, I don't know. I think the stream found it boring. So I think, I guess we're going back to expeditions on Wednesday. I'm <laughs> doing the, but, uh, they got bored of which part? I think, I think maybe laddering, I, you know, there are better ladder warriors out there streaming than me. Um, and so mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's a combination of both laddering and playing like a super linear aggressive sort of swarming your board, you know, big board deck. Um, th- there might be bet- there might be more interesting decisions to be made in in other decks, but I had a lot of fun with it. I found it enjoyable. Um, so yeah, so we played uh, we played some uh, some of that some of that today, which was which was great, which was great. So yeah, got a little bit of LOR. Did you get any LOR in this this past week? I'm I'm hoping you did. I mean, there's so much to experiment with right now. Yeah, I actually played a lot more than I have in a long time. Uh, my, my it's uh, Monday, and I'm already got a level ten chest, which for me, you, wow, you guys should know, is pretty big. Yeah, that doesn't usually happen. Like if they give if they gave him a bonus three days, that might not happen. That might not happen. Yeah. Um. But so so it's interesting. I played a lot of ladder at first, and had extremely mixed results. For the record, I never play normal. If I'm going to play Constructed, I'll just play Ladder, even oh, if God, I'm just yeah. testing something. Like, I just don't queue normal because, I don't know, just don't, I just don't do it. Um, and I had one day I couldn't seem to lose, and the other day I absolutely could not seem to win. It oh, was really geez. weird. Yeah. yeah it, and it left that. me feeling very confused about what's good and what isn't. Like, I, I couldn't – I played, like, three or four different decks mostly – and with to very mixed results, uh, except for one, which I just seem to be, it's, it's just, I can tell you, it's just very much how I like to play. So it's like, it, even though it may not be super strong, it clicked with me from a, a strategical standpoint, but I was playing all sorts of stuff, both experimental and a little bit closer to meta. And I just, yeah, like I said, I, I could not seem to get a, a finger on the pulse of what is good, what isn't good, what's meta, what's not meta. It was, it's, I gotta be honest, I'm confused. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of like, it's a bit like the wild, it's a bit like the wild west out there. Like, yeah, like I'm never a hundred percent sure of what I'm turning into. I'm sure like the higher you are, maybe the more, some of the more regular, the more regular decks are coming in. But I, in my experience, my experience was uh was pretty kind of like all over the place. Like I experienced yeah. a lot of different decks um and a lot of a, a, a relatively wide swath of champions and mm-hmm. um which I was pleasantly surprised by. I did see of course a bit of the rise of sort of like the Noxus Frail Yord, um you know like Ash Sejuani or mm-hmm. um Ash LeBlanc which we'll we'll talk a little bit about today as well. Um, because, you know, I shared pretty strong opinions about LeBlanc and we talked about her 
kind of at length, and I have been a little surprised. I've been a little surprised um, by how difficult she is to deal with, um, and that may actually have something to do with sort of like the lack of PNZ in the meta right now, simply because we didn't get a new PNZ champ, and so maybe not many people are... But, well, there is some PNZ. I, I say the lack of PNZ, but there, there, there has been some with the timelines deck, which is, which has been yeah. interesting. As which well. I played uh, a fair amount of the timelines kindred list, and I really don't think it's that good. You know, yeah. Well, that's fine with me. I have no problem. Yeah. I haven't played it yet, but I have no problem no, no, with no, it no. not I, being I'm just, good. I just, I just, everybody seems to be talking about that now they're also talking about the nasus uh list which, yeah, which I, I have with kindred played. and i think that's a better deck um the concurrent timelines one to me and and you know we actually you and i talked a little bit about this beforehand but i'll just kind of reiterate for the audience because i think it's interesting like like i played a lot of that deck and the only times i could seem to win would be off of the ladros combo which is like the worst way to win uh and uh it just i mean i i tried a bunch of different variants of this concurrent timelines list i tried uh you know teching new things in i tried you know changing things you know to my own taste i've played multiple of other people's lists and i just made i just could not seem to win consistently with it um i mean i think i must have had maybe a 20 25 win rate with this stupid thing and it, it kind of got me thinking because a lot of other people were reporting success with it and I was, I've been struggling with the idea of, is the deck not that good? Which is my kind of appraisal of it, because I tend to value my own experience, you know. Sure, so sure, sure, more sure. than really anyone else's, I'm gonna feel about a deck how I feel based on my experience. Except this was so odd because on paper I looked at it and I said maybe this is pretty good. I mean, I, I went into crafting the Kindreds because I was like, this looks good. This looks promising. And in playing it, I just couldn't seem to win with it. So what is it, right? Is it that the deck really isn't that good? Is it that there's counters out there? Or, and I hate, you know, you hate saying it, but maybe it's just a not a good deck for me. Maybe I just don't know how to play it. It's kind of where I landed. And, you know, it's a weird place to be in where, other people seem to be really doing well with it and you just can't seem to win with it. You're kind of, you kind of feel lost. You know, you're like, I don't understand what's happening here. Yeah. I've had a similar experience with a lot of decks that, um, that don't click with me. And then I've had a opposite experience with decks that do like occasionally you run into a deck that you're like, this really should not be super strong, but for whatever reason, like I just know sort of like, I, so I've always been, I'm I'm usually best at playing sort of pressure decks, like the things that are going to force my opponent to react. That doesn't necessarily mean that I've played the most aggressive decks or even the most aggressive strategies, but I typically enjoy playing sort of like proactive, like pretty pressury decks. Some of those have ranged from being sort of like mid-range decks, even some that are, are control, but proactive control or late game strategy. And so like deep, deep clicks with me pretty well because you are actively doing things, right? You're, you're proactive 
constantly tossing yeah. your deck. Um, the This Garen Jarvan deck has really clicked with me because it's not always super aggressive, but your goal is to build a board. And then the, the deck that has clicked with me that shouldn't be good necessarily is Fearsome Mist Wraiths because mine is a mono Nocturne Callistalist. And yet I have found repeated success sort of season after season, the last couple of days or even towards the beginning. Um, I, I tend to fall off. It's not because it's bad in the middle of the season. I just tend to not focus on ladder and it's sort of like the middle of the season. Um, and then that may tell you the type of player that I am when it comes to laddering. But uh, so but I have had a ton of success with it. Like it's gone super, mm -hmm. super well for me and has been. Um, really interesting, and it's a deck that largely, probably, like it wasn't Fen, you know, uh, Fiora and Shen, um, Fen. That's their combined names, you know, uh, which was good. Like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't TF Burblefish, you know, TS Affiliates Burblefish or TF, uh, you know, Zoe Burblefish or, or whatever, whatever was being played at the time. Um, but I had, a, I had a lot of. Now there are times when like the top tier meta deck just clicks with me really well. Um, but I agree. I think there are times when it's just like this deck is doing well for other people. I believe that it's good, but I just cannot figure it out. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough. I think like a lot of people and, and at times myself included, there's a lot of pride wrapped up in in these card games because it is a intellectual endeavor. You mm -hmm. want to be performing at a high level. You also want to see results from your effort. And no one wants to think of themselves as dumb or, you know, anything like that. Not very many so people, I think no. <laughs> in, in, in many ways, I think that that's why I've been thinking a lot about this. I think that that's why card games, especially even more so than other video games, can have a very opinionated and vitriolic uh, kind of correspondence on the internet. Because everyone, they're not just defending their emotions they're defending their perceived intelligence. Well, you know, I, I <laughs> and I, I think that whether I don't think it's accurate, but I think that that's how a lot of people think. And uh, and with card games, it's so much more pronounced because it's a slower paced, you know, kind of strategical pursuit compared to something like, you know, a, a shooter or something like that, where there's a certain element of you know, reaction timing and communication is a lot bigger, you know, part of those team games where it focuses on other things. Not that those communities can't also be bad. Don't get me wrong, but it's different. I mean, it's been really interesting to see, uh, you know, both on Reddit and Twitter and even in our di own Discord, though, to a smaller extent. It, it's always funny right after an expansion drops the how quick the I told you so's come out. Sure. Yeah, sure. You know, especially and uh, it directed at everyone and everything, you know, and, and one person is saying, I told you so over one thing and then sitting there and be like, yeah, I guess I didn't read this card. Right. As someone else is telling them, I told you so on that thing. Like, it's just at, it, at some points, it, you know, it used to be something that would piss me off and would kind of get me a, a annoyed. Like, why is everyone being so, you know, I don't know, not even vengeful is not even the word, but just really, really rubbing it in when that that's not how it should even be perceived in the first place. You know, just because you looked at a card and it turned out to be right, there's a bunch of other cards. It probably you didn't quite get right because, you know, nobody can know until it actually rolls out. Uh, and, you know, you actually start getting the massive community hive mind. So 
A, why do people bother? Because it's fun. So in that case, it's always really funny to see how quick people turn their card predictions from, oh, I'm just doing it because it's fun to talk about, to, ha, I was right, I'm so smart, or, ooh, you were wrong, man, what were you thinking? Like, it's just really weird to see that on Twitter and on Reddit, and it's just kind of, it's amusing on one hand, it's also a little disheartening on the other. <laughs> well, I, you know what's funny is I was actually, I was thinking a little bit about this. Um, I, I was thinking a little bit because obviously like when you're, when you create content, right, of any type, uh, especially for a thing like a card game, when you come to card mm -hmm. at reveal season, right, before things have been played, before they've been out, before, you know, even when you record an episode, you know, three hours after a card set comes out or something like, you know, it was maybe like six hours afterwards for us last week. Um, yeah. You know, what happens is you come in here and you basically say, hey, I'm willing to be vulnerable and put forth my opinions and say, hey, this is <laughs> this is what I think you. But you go in knowing full well that you're going to be wrong. But I but I was actually thinking about this in terms of the gaming community in general, specifically because I was watching the League of Legends championship games the other day. And oftentimes, like Friday, Saturday night, I'll sit and play a video game and I have uh, the LOL championships on in the background because I, I really enjoy still following a uh, professional LOL, even though I don't play it. And um, it was so funny because like you have these, these ultra outgoing charismatic um, sort of like upfront folks who are doing like your analyst desk and your casting and, and they're like, super socially adept and, and very, very cool and all of these things. And then sometimes you get the, the players come on for the interview and they're like these like ultra arrogant nerds that are like the most awkward people you've ever seen <laughs> on an interview. And yeah. you're like, Quit putting, quit giving, I don't care if he's the MVP, quit giving this person the microphone. And there, there's a certain amount of sort of like arrogance uh, and pride and that goes along with the gaming community of sort of like being the best. And I think to a certain extent, like the gaming community sort of has that in spades and, and it's almost it's almost kind of flavorful for the gaming community at the at the uh, the other side of that is is that the gaming community especially card games what i've found is it attracts hyper intellectual people who maybe are wicked intelligent but don't have the social graces uh enough to know that i shouldn't post this on reddit um <laughs> and this is nothing yeah. this is please understand this is nothing about anyone in our discord because i am rarely if ever offended by anything that's posted in our oh, discord yeah, yeah, yeah. um but they just don't have really like the the social aptitude to be able, and which is fine with me like there are people out there that are super smart and and over and over again like i've sort of met people in the community over the years like i interviewed a lot of streamers and i've spent a lot of time with community like gamers and people who listen to our show and hanging out with people and like everyone that i talk to is like a scientist or a physicist or a engineer or something like all of them are so much smarter than me like so the only difference is is like i'm willing to get on a microphone and, and share my opinions because i don't care <laughs> if they're right right um and, but like they're so much smarter than me um and i've repeatedly over and over again run into like so often the problems in the communities are not that people are vindictive or that people are evil it's typically that people are a combination of super intelligent socially like they don't necessarily grasp social cues super, super well. And then like sometimes just tragically low self-esteem masked in, in horrible arrogance. And, um, and that has been my experience over and over again uh, with the gaming community, which is, well, you know, part of the reason that I love the gaming community because it has a certain charm to it. But that comes out in card games and spades because card games is such 
a cerebral pursuit, right? There's, and I think like even like auto chess games are kind of similar to that, right? Whereas even in League of Legends, like it's very cerebral, but there's a lot of like teamwork and reaction that goes into it. Um, mm -hmm. But when you get to a card game, right? Like who cares what your FPS is, right? Because, because you're not yeah. making any moves that are too quick. And so I don't, I don't know, but, but I, I like, I like what you're, what you're saying there. It's not like an overall critique on the community, but it is, uh, it is interesting to see sort of like what games draw, what type of players and what personality yeah. types. It's, it's just, it's a very unique, uh, you know, yeah, d uh, demographic is probably the best way to think about it. You know, it, it pulls a different demographic of gamer, you know, and, yes. and you have all the different genres and some of them overlap in really interesting ways. But, you know, you're, you're it's so funny. I remember watching uh, I remember watching the Overwatch League on, in its first season uh, and seeing them interview a lot of the uh, at least with the American ones, because, you know, when they have a lot of the Korean players, they're just super awkward because they don't know english very well sure and that's fair <laughs> um, you know but uh when you get the american ones it was just like wow like i'm sure this person is intelligent and i'm sure this person is you know very clearly skilled at their craft but wow it is such a different take than when they would interview hearthstone players you know like they are so different <laughs> yes at, yeah oh yeah oh yeah uh there's definitely a big difference between the type of player that's attracted to card games versus the type of player that's attracted to shooters uh yep and, and, you, and you can see that in their most popular streamers i would say that mogwai is kind of like an anomaly in that i know you haven't watched much to much of him um but you know he's he's a card gamer and and probably one of the most popular lor streamers when he does stream um but he but he, but he doesn't come across as like your typical card i don't i'm i'm getting dangerously close to sort of um uh sort of stereotyping here um but there but you know what when you go into your local game store on friday night and see f friday night magic like i remember one time when i took my brother-in-law into fnm right and uh and i don't even know i came in to get comic books and my brother-in-law had never been in a comic book store right and there's like there's like probably 15 dudes like all in like these plastic uh, like lawn chairs um, and like half of them were sipping on Capri Suns. I don't know why, but they're all like 25 or so. And I was he's like, he'll never forget that day. And I'm like, yeah, like this is my people here. Like I may not <laughs> always look like I fit in here, but this is my tribe. Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, and <laughs> I yeah. think, I think that's, I don't, I mean, I don't always look the part or, or whatever have you, but the, the, the card game tribe is certainly my tribe. Even if we can be a cantankerous bunch every now and then. Now, yeah, I, I've I've spent more than I'd care to admit uh, afternoons in a in a card shop, <laughs> sitting at a table flipping pieces of cardboard. So yes, yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. But hey, we uh, speaking of nerds, um, a couple of them submitted decks to our deck name game this week, um, and right. DBN was going to pick a winner of that. So DBN, you want to talk about our winner of this week's deck name game? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of good uh, good decks being submitted. A lot of fun names. Um, you know, we, we, we wanted to do a couple back-to-back -back because we had a lot of people submitting. Um, and uh, I, got a, I, got, I got two things here. The, the first thing is 
the deck that I most am excited to mess around with and that I was excited to see. Um, and that is, uh, you know, because it, it's deck name game, but we do award like secondary points, like for tiebreakers when it comes to like the deck itself. Yeah, yeah, you sure. know. And uh, I was really excited to see a Vladimir Braum deck with one Katarina being submitted uh, by uh, uh, Himmel's uh, Himmel's uh, Gucker. Close. I hope yeah. that's not something bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds bad, but no. Uh, submitted Bromance of Pain, which I did enjoy. Um, that's a great name, and that is a Vladimir Brom deck. Uh, but everybody knows that, so that's honorable mention there because I was really excited to see that. I'm going to be trying that deck later tonight. Uh, but everybody knows I'm a huge sucker for a really good pun. I love me some puns, some plays on words and whatnot. So. Uh, unfortunately, I feel un I say unfortunately because I feel like I I feel like people are gonna think it's nepotism. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but I I'm going I to give the give the W uh, to my boy Gibbles and Bits once again for his deck Squad Ghouls. Uh, that's Ghouls G H O U L S for yes. a uh, <laughs> undying slash uh, Elise Kindred list. Uh, with like you know the ravenous butcher, curse keeper, whatnot, but it's also running the grand plaza uh, and relentless pursuit as its way of uh, kind of pushing board pressure, controlling the board as well. You know you got the fun stuff with undying and mask mother and curse keeper and whatnot. So it's just a lot of last breath uh, strategies, which is already one of my favorite things. Um, so I just uh, squad ghouls. <laughs> and I actually uh, really tickled my fancy. I don't know which version of Gibble's deck is actually posted in, in deck name game because I'm not looking at it at the moment. But he came on stream uh, last Friday, I think, and um, mm -hmm. and he gave me this deck. So he was like, hey, hey, check this one out. And so I was playing the ethereal remitter in this deck is an MVP. Holy cow. Remitter, like remitter has been flying under the radar for forever. I've been playing this thing uh, since like I, I started playing with Lucian uh uh and shoot what's her name uh the, the you know, three things die callista uh, oh callista lucian callista i i mean i absolutely had ungodly win rates over like 50 games with that deck a couple seasons back and ethereal remitter at the top and like two copies he's been a sleeper agent for a while and i'm really hoping uh people start uh people start realizing that it's a really great card especially if you're running like curse keeper or undying yeah, I mean, running him with the Undying and the Grand Plaza is really strong because basically you get a, a five mana, five, three with Challenger, and then you get a random five drop that also has Challenger and your Undying dies, so it summons him back with Challenger the next round and oh, plus yeah. one attack. Well, um, and really I was fun. really excited. I was really excited to see Mask Mother because of just its ability to go with undying and Mask just steal Mother's the stats really really good um yeah, yeah mask mother is really good in this deck and not even always with the undying late game like uh, often uh, so, honestly often sometimes just like early game getting rid of warden's prey getting rid of cursed keeper um on sometimes just being able to make a bigger like one bigger body with fearsome was better than 
um you know than one without and so you would you would kill something and yeah you could play a second yeah. thing onto the board but you were almost better off not playing a second thing and then instead like stacking onto one body um and uh and i really enjoyed it and actually grizzled ranger was really really yeah. good in this deck because now grizzled ranger's so good with the grand plaza like really really good with right well getting getting the challenger with the scout is really nice yeah. but my question is when if you get a temporary uh challenger from grand plaza and then you play mask mother and eat something with challenger now it'll get challenger from grand plaza but would it keep the challenger from the thing that it killed i don't think so i definitely don't know for 100 it grants like, you I the didn't... stats and keywords yeah probably i don't know i i there would have to be some science it may have happened and i just didn't realize it that's a very real possibility um i be honest with you i wasn't really thinking about mask mother in that way I, I feel like oftentimes like you were i don't know i was if by the time i had grant plaza on the board like i wouldn't sack the stuff that had challenger right because mask mother would get challenger when you played her so like i would sack something that had lived around before and then and then play mask mother to give it challenger so i don't know i don't know that i really like played a cursed keeper it got challenger then played masked mother on it to suck the challenger off of it onto mask mother i don't know that i really ever did that um but i will say that kindred is really an incredible card and this deck wants to sack its stuff pretty often and kindred as it turns out, as a five mana four four with quick attack and challenger, which comes in as a five uh, instead of a four four, is a five four. Kindred is a five mana five four with challenger and quick attack on turn five is very strong because you clear basically anything. Um, Kindred doesn't die because he has quick attack, and then he marks something else as well and kills that thing too. And uh, Kindred with Grand Plaza is pretty crazy i mean anything with a quick attack with grand plaza is is really good but that four mm -hmm. attack with a plus one that five attack he clears so many things i mean there's there's so many champions and minions that get cleared by something with five attack and quick attack um yeah really had a good and, you time know with the thing with kindred is and this is why i think i was having a harder time with the kindred list that i was playing is that um i think kindred really wants you to already have a board out and really, and preferably some spell mana to work with too. Because like, if you play, Kindred is like an absolutely awful play by itself. Like on an empty board, like it's not a good play. And, and you know, the quick attack is nice, but I think that ideally you would want Kindred to come down and your opponents to kind of scramble because then they're in the situation of, I have to deal with Kindred and also the other stuff. Mm. That's the ideal situation, I think, because obviously the priority is Kindred. You can't let Kindred sit around because Kindred's going to start wiping your board out. Yes, but, but you, I mean, at four at four health, it's you can deal with it, especially if you have like removal tools. Um, and if Kindred's the only thing, you can really focus your efforts on that, and that's a big mana investment if you don't get anything out of it. So, like, yeah, I, I think that there's some Kindred is very strong, but it's definitely a play around. And you definitely have to be not just building your deck for it, but I think playing the turns leading up to it thoughtfully so that you know you're able to trigger Kindred, uh, you know, on the turn you bring it in. Uh, so it's just, it's an interesting dynamic. I think there's a lot of people out there like, you know, uh, Hammond and Hawn over Kindred 
And my impression is it's not just Kindred. It's going to be the things around it that are enabling and and setting it up and then, you know, paying off with it later. I don't know. I think that, like, there's a lot of talk about, like, this Kindred Nasus list. But the bigger thing in that situation, I know this is kind of actually moving away from tech name game, is the atrocity uh, situation. Sure, you know, yeah. With and and Nasus getting, you know, spell shield and some crazy stuff like that. Yeah, well, let's talk about that when we when we do move into talking a little bit about the meta and some of the cards, because I, I have a couple of thoughts on that, too, because I have played a little bit of Kindred Nasus and I have played this deck. But I always want to say congratulations to Gibbles this week for this uh, this squad goal deck. I didn't even know that was the name of it. So I've now changed the name in my collection to squad goals, um, and it will <laughs> it will stay with that name now that I know. Uh, now that I know what the name is, and uh, it's definitely a fun deck, so if you want to check it out, I am going to put the code for the deck in the description of this episode, so you can uh, check it out if you if it's if it's a deck that you you know sort of want to play um definitely definitely check it out i also want to say a quick thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash legendscast i realized today that i had three glasses that needed mailed out so um all of those are going to be going out on this week i'm gonna i'm gonna be getting everything out this week that i owe people um and in addition to that i'll make just a really quick announcement we did push back the beginning of our legendscast discord league to the 14th instead of starting it on the third we wanted to start it on the third but because there was no cross shard play available the the amount of work that it was going to take to sort of separate the stuff was was going to be nightmarish so we decided not to do that so this episode's coming out on the 10th we are going to start the legends cast discord league season three on the 14th it gives you about 10 days to think through what you want to play and i know cross shard may not be available that very day but that week it should be and so we'll be able to get those match outs uh matchups out and if you are against someone who's not on the same shard as you um just as soon as that uh cross shard play is available make sure you queue up and get those games in and if you want to know what all the rules are and stuff head over to our discord if you haven't signed up yet you still can because we did extend signups a little bit longer because we decided to wait until the 14th to start it so i think we're going to keep uh signups open until like the 12th uh so by the time this comes out you'll have like another 48 hours if you want to get in there is a hundred dollar prize plus a hat or a legend cast pint glass um, and an interview on the show if you are the winner um, after the Swiss rounds and then the bracket. If you come in second, there's a $50 prize pool and a third, I believe, or is it 75 and 50? Or I, I think it's 75 for second, 50 for third. And then there is also a prize if you, um, I think we're going to do 25 bucks for fourth. And then there's, uh, mm -hmm. there's also going to be a prize, although not yet determined, if you will play all your rounds of Swiss, um, we will put you in a drawing. Everyone who plays all the rounds will get put in a drawing to potentially win um, something as well, which may be like um, an in-game cosmetic or something, which we can only really give to you through um, through giving you PayPal, and then you can buy it yourself. But that's <laughs> that's probably yeah, what we, the plan we'll, is. We'll figure something nice yeah. out because you know we we looked at changed some ideas, the format. But... Well, we changed the format to make sure that. Uh, if players play the first three or four weeks and lose, you know, and they don't want to keep playing because they don't have a chance to make the top eight, we understand. And we set up the format, you know, to be a Swiss style where you're pairing into the other people that have won and stuff like that so that it doesn't create, uh, you know, abnormalities when it comes to, hey, I made the cut, but two of my people, three of my people forfeited. Like, we don't want that to happen. So we changed the format 
to compensate. But obviously, we still want people to play and have fun and, you know, stay in all the way till the end. And so just our little way of saying thanks for participating is having that drawing there, you yeah. know. And heck, to be honest, uh, you know, these tournaments aren't massive. It's not like we have hundreds of people, you know. You've got a pretty good chance, one in 40 or so. Why not? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, why not? Why not stick it around? You are already going to play LOR. So just keep playing your rounds and you have a chance to win something cool. Yeah. And a uh, big thank you. To you make no sense because he donated a hundred bucks, hundred mm -hmm. bones uh, to the prize pool to basically it, it let us sweeten the prize pool in a couple of places. And it's going to let us do uh, something for the the people who play all their rounds of Swiss. So we're really yeah. thankful to you make no yes, sense. Thank definitely. you for doing that. You That's awesome. No and um, all of this is possible, of course, because of our Patreons over at patreon.com slash legendscast. So if you want to support the show, go over there. We did release an episode of The Mulligan last week, um, and so which we talked about our top three, but really each kind of like top five favorite comic book series. Um, and so if you're interested, we do a non-LOR related like 20 minute show a couple times a month. Um, once or twice a month over on Patreon, which you can listen to the audio for over there called The Mulligan. And so if you're a Patreon supporter and even, you know, 25 cents an episode, a dollar a month, um, you do get access to The Mulligan. So if you want a little bit more of the lift and DBN, that is a way to get a little bit more of it. Um, but this week, we're going to go ahead and talk about uh, a couple of meta reports that came out and also a couple of decks that we're finding interesting or or are kind of seeing um, seeing active play. And we're going to do that in uh, in this week's main segment. Time for the main event. <laughs> Okay, guys, this week's main segment, we are going to look at a couple of things. Uh, I, specifically, I'm going to look, I'm going to look at first off something that came from Reddit. So there was like a bit of a meta report that supposedly someone sort of gathered some information on the decks that were coming through Mobilytics and wanted to give sort of the win rates of each of the champions. Now, I saw this information and I thought, this is really interesting information. Um, and then I wanted to have a conversation about like, okay, how do you sort of discern statistics in card games? Is this legitimately helpful or is it not? Um, and uh, do we see this changing? Like maybe do we think, oh, like this is really accurate. So um, basically what they said is they wanted to look at the win rates of each champion card sorted from best to worst along with where they rank in all, amongst all 58 champions. And so they go ahead and give those a rating and I can throw a link to this probably in the description of the show as well if you wanna read a little bit further because they do talk a lot more. So they said LeBlanc coming in number one at a 53.7% win rate um, as the 12th most powerful champion. Siver at a 50.3% 31st. Kindred 50.1% at a 33rd. Lissandra, 49.1 at a 38th place uh, spot, which, I mean, they're dropping quick. Like, from 12th to 31st is a huge dump. We're already down into 38th, right, of only 58 champions. Nasus at a 48.7% win rate in 41st. Jarvan uh, with a 48.3% win rate in 44th. Azir at a 48.5 in 45th. Renekton, 44.8 in 54th. And Talia coming in dead last at a 39.0% win rate in 58th place. So statistically, they're saying the worst champion in the game, they're saying Talia. So I, I looked at this and there were some things that sort of 
set off a couple of alarms in my head at first. Oh, yeah, that, this is a <laughs> yeah. So I talk a little bit about like I think like when we're looking at statistics, like what are we looking at? And, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. Well, you, what my opinion of this? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit. Yeah, I'm a, I'm curious about your opinion of this, and then just also like what to look out for when you are looking at statistics on card games, because you and I have both looked at a lot of meta reports on a lot of different card games over the years. Yeah, uh, here's my opinion of this. This is useless. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. It's cute. And it, if it, okay, useless is an exaggeration. It is a discussion driver. You know, it puts something out there and, and it says, talk about it. Here's some stuff, talk about it. But this data is garbage. It's not, and now I'm not even saying that the data wouldn't be correct, but we have no way of knowing that because the data is all taken from Mobilytics. Mobilytics doesn't have access to, uh, riots, I think it's API is what it's called, but they don't have access to riots, true statistics. Besides the fact that this is only using data from platinum to masters, which again, only pulls from a certain subset of players. And then it's only those players that use the deck tracker from Mobilytics. Mm -hmm. And it, it, so if you look, it's this not is so far any... from anything definitive. Now, again, it may prove to be valid but it won't be proved by this collection of data. Yeah, so I think this is why it is so important to take a look at sort of meta reports from, I think like relatively, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, the <laughs> Hunter x Hunter is bad, um, is is creating um, a bad meta report, right? I, I don't know who Hunter x no, Hunter I... is bad is. Um, but like it seems early like that was the thing for me so the first red flag for me was this seems early right and yeah. i don't know a hundred percent um how reputable the like this is right like hunter x hunter may be a um uh i feel like i've seen that name before several times but i i think that this is i think that this is a good faith post i don't think oh, this absolutely. is anything where there's you know, and, and again, it all tells you what this the, the tag is. It's it's if the flare name is discussion. Great. Yeah, that's what it is. And he does but you say, can't look at this. He does say it is to be noted that individual card win rates tell us very little about how strong a card actually is, especially during the first few weeks of everyone's experimenting. So to be fair, like the, the person who posted this, like I think they posted this genuinely to generate discussion. Let's start yes. talking about these cards. This is not a definitive. This is good. This isn't good. You should play this. This is junk. These cards are garbage. You did a good job here. He's just they're just saying like, hey, here's some general information, which I think is actually the perfect place for a post like this to be it's just been taken out of that context to say oh look at these seven numbers or eight nine numbers this is uh this is how good these cards are right and yeah that's not it's not it's been less helpful from the people who've taken it to discuss it i think since then yeah and and you know what's funny is that um so the other thing that that's worth mentioning here is that like it's the, the the social dynamic component of what not what's driving the results, but what's driving the play rate, right? Mm -hmm. Because the play rate will drive the results. But the play rate at the moment is not standard. The play rate at the moment is 
people are experimenting. They're playing with things that are not optimized for both the idea of experimenting to try to optimize it, but also a vast, like a, a large group of people are going to be playing with this stuff because it's fun or for content. Yes. Right? And so you're looking at people, you're looking at uh, statistics that are not made with winning necessarily in mind. Now, granted, the champ win rate stuff is being pulled from Platinum to Master. So there's a lot of people in there that are going to be playing to perform well, except there's also the component of, and, and I know this is true because I played in, in uh, Legends rank all the time in Elder Scrolls Legends. I was, con I, I, there was, I was in Legends rank for like a year straight. Like, and that's not a, a bragging point. I'm just, it's, I stream, so I, I was. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but if anything, people in Masters, but in Legends, uh, there's about 5 to 10% of them that take it ultra seriously, that care about their placement in it, and everyone else is playing things for fun because they're there. Yeah, they hey, made got to it, Masters. Right? That's what I did every single time I got to Masters. <laughs> it's right. just, it's time to meme. And I'm not perfectly <laughs> equating Tessel community to LOR. There's some differences, you know, but I'm just saying my experience is people at those higher levels, a lot of times they'll get there, especially the, especially the people that aren't, competitive players but are people that play like there's a difference between competitive players and people that play a lot oh yeah yeah like yeah. competitive mm -hmm. you know people that are frequent players of the game that put a lot of hours in aren't necessarily the people that are tracking win rates and you know agonizing over the three card slots that they're unsure yeah, and about like thoroughly understanding matchups and like uh right. you know tech cards and like and that's not saying that they're things. not good players it's just saying that those players that are up there have different agenda. They they playing sure. for a different reason, right? And so, you know, that whole thing is exaggerated when there's a bucket of new stuff <laughs> to mess around with. So, you know, again, and I, I don't want it to sound like I, I'm upset at Hunter X, Hunter, whatever, for posting this. I'm simply saying there's going to be a lot of people that are going to look at this and treat it as fact because there's statistics associated with it. That is the truly great lie of our generation, by the way. Like, I'm going to go big, big brain here. Everyone who just looks at a statistic, when a statistic is presented, people are prone and they've been conditioned and trained through their education to believe that if a statistic is attached, that it is truth, that the, that looking at a statistic and interpreting it makes it so. And that is the great lie of our generation, the generations before us, because you have to understand that how you interpret statistics and how those statistics were drawn matters more so, you know, than the number that's being thrown at you. So you, re but there's so many people that are going to look at this and start ranting and raving that LeBlanc is OP. Well, guess what? LeBlanc fit into two or three decks that were basically completely refined. Yes. And it just slotted made a lot of sense in, Meanwhile, in those decks. Meanwhile, Talia down at rank nine. Now, I happen to think Talia is probably one of the weaker champions, but Talia is forging an entirely new deck, completely unlike anything else that has existed in this game as of yet. And so Talia is going to be so much harder to refine it's going to take so much longer to get to a build that is efficient and operating not just within itself but within the larger scope of the competitive environment you don't when you play a talia deck on day one you're trying to learn how to use the tools that you have at you know 
not just to mention adapting to all the new tools that are out there and the old tools that you have to learn what your counters are. So like statistics are fun to look at. And when you've gathered enough data, you can start looking at them and drawing reasonable conclusions. But my biggest issue with this isn't that it was there, but it's just how many people were treating it as truth. Yeah. So and I think there is one, I think there is one, maybe two, but there's certainly one really helpful statistic in this. And that is simply the number of games that were played of Hecarim Azir. Hecarim Azir was tracked at 14,421 games. Okay, so that is literally, nearly, it is three times the amount of games of, of virtually everything in here, with the exception of, of Garen Jarvan, Sed- which kind Sedronectin. of... Sedronectin. Um, and there are, there was, there was one other and one. Talia was the other one. Yeah, so there was a handful that had, had definitely seen... Sort of like a lot of play, but for the most part, oh uh, no, said Johnny. Said Johnny oh, sorry, I, I, I take that back. I looked at the number wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but like fourteen thousand games. So like almost yeah. three times the number of games is almost everything else that was in here, and was looking at like a fifty three point eight percent win rate. That's the one that I looked at and said, okay, that's probably accurate, right? And if this, if this, I bet you if this deck had had like, um, you know like uh so what some of these other decks have had right like 800 games 900 games 180 games right um i bet mm-hmm. you this win rate would either be really high or much lower because you really don't get a good look at win rate until you've tracked a pretty large amount of games which is why it is hard for people who aren't on teams or don't work for companies that literally track stats to be able to do it mm-hmm. right that's why it's hard like if mobilitics itself was doing it as a company like they can put out something fairly accurate um it, riot can put out a, a fairly accurate depiction of what's strong and even at that like we've talked before about meta doesn't always mean strong meta means played a lot and is with with relative success right there's always sort of like sleeper picks counter meta picks and sometimes decks that just haven't been discovered yet that oftentimes do exist out there that you can still uh that you can still take a look at and play yeah and it should be noted too i guess that like if i'm going to start dunking on statistics and trusting sources and whatnot i should you know, provide my own point of view in full disclosure. I am on the record, especially for newer listeners from past times, I'm on the record of saying I have a natural disinclination to approve of or provide validation to meta reports. Mm-hmm. I, I am definitely someone who places very little stock in meta reports because i find that it is a self-fulfilling prophecy more so than an actual reflection of deck strength um something goes on the meta report more people play it yeah and then more people play it and then it begins weirdly warping in on itself because as more people play this deck that is perceived to be strong because it made it onto a list and usually those lists are generated because somebody who's influential has a million followers that all played this because that person played it like I'm not saying don't net deck. I'm simply saying reading meta reports is, in my opinion, and this is where I'm coming from for this discussion, not as important as finding what works for you Mm -hmm. because I guarantee you, you will perform better if you look at the net decks, play around with them, and then pick the one that is having the most success where you are on the ladder 
than it is looking at the numbers and saying, this is being played so much more than everything else. I, therefore I should play it. That those meta reports are based on, you know, play rate combined with win rate more than anything else. So that's where I'm coming from. Just providing a little bit of point of view, you know, so if you, if you're like, Oh man, DBN's really dunking on meta reports to an extent, I have reasons for believing this, but it's also just my standpoint on it. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, I think there are some decks that have been discovered this week that um, some of the champs fit into very easily. Um, so, I mean, so Ash Sejuani or sort of like the Ash Reckoning deck has always been like really close to S tier, right? Like it's it's ebbed and flowed between A to B tier, sort of depending on what the meta looked like. And one of the things that I noticed today was I saw a lot of that deck. Like we definitely mm -hmm. saw that played a good bit. Um, the Avarosan Trapper, I think it is, the three mana three three that puts a Yeti in your deck, like in the top couple of cards. Like that card's bonkers. Um, LeBlanc in that deck actually plays really well. And I, I think part of that is because we're not seeing, like there's not quite as many combat tricks in some of the experimental decks that we're seeing right now. So you don't you don't have quite as many. Well, there's not a lot of interaction in Sharima. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Sharima has some, but like a lot of it is like Mostly giving vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have like, like, I don't know. Like, I guess probably like there's not as much just sort of like direct removal. Like you're not... Maybe in like the PNZ it's timeline not like you have stack, shots. <laughs> yeah, like or at least not as much of them right now. Um, and so like people like it is hard to deal with. Like it, it like LeBlanc is hard to deal with in that scenario when she comes down on three, um, because and she does actually level up a lot easier than I thought she was going to. I thought she would be hard to level up, but she's proven the, to not be nearly as hard to level up as I thought she was going to be. Well, and last week we had a lot to say about LeBlanc, and it, it came predominantly from the point of view of this doesn't feel like a unique flavorful champion it feels like a very strong follower yeah right? or at least her flavor didn't necessarily match really well with the sort of like no. the flavor that i experienced her with in lol right right um and it's just not it's just another um noxus champion that doesn't seem to do the unique really cool things that champions like talia and azir and kindred and even Lysandra, like these things drip flavor. Yes. Yep. They 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 say here's a card that challenges you to think in another way. Well, yeah, Philios. Like Aphilios is like <laughs> like the Aphilios is like that right. card, like in space. Exactly. Right? right. And and meanwhile, Noxus has so many cards that I feel don't do that. The exception really being Riven. I think Riven, Riven is the is, only yeah. champion that they have that really challenges you to think and play a new way. Swain, you could argue Swain, Swain, you could argue Vlad. But, I mean, you have Draven, Katarina, and Darius, and LeBlanc is just one more, you know, tempo-based champion. I, I, and I also honestly, say about arguably, LeBlanc, maybe one of the best tempo-based champions that oh, it has. No, yeah, no doubt. I, I, here's the thing. LeBlanc is very powerful, um, I, I think. And I think it comes, but I think it comes with a massive downside. I think LeBlanc is an extremely polarized card because you've got this card that is extremely overstated and protects itself while you're attacking because of the quick attack. It was going to, <clears throat> excuse me, it's going to ruin other, you know, like aggro or mid range lists that don't have a lot of interaction. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I mean, she's just that strong. But. If you run into a deck with controlling tools that can handle her, 
you're losing so much tempo. Her game plan slows down so much that if it gets answered, and if you're not allowed to establish that tempo and, and, and start snowballing that board with things that, that don't die when you trade and when they play things, you know, um, she's gonna the, the decks tend to fall apart. I'll be honest, I've run into quite a bit of LeBlanc. I have not had a hard time dealing with it. The reason why, those were the games that I was playing this kindred concurrent timelines, kill stuff, and, you know, eventually try to win through a cheese strategy but uh, yeah, sure. uh but but even like the controlling tools with kindred i mean it just it just tore it apart i was so excited to see that because it was one of the few decks i could actually beat the point being <laughs> interaction ruins this card and so if you want to go into frail yard for protection that's great but that's still yeah, uh -huh. temporary you know you can you can elixir of iron that first mystic shot but when that next one comes down the line you know, yeah, it's your there are two cards for your one card, but you but it, it is pretty dependent on starting to establish that board and um you know the game plan can really slow down if it's answered. So it's a polarized card. Not saying it's a bad one at all, because it can totally run away with games. No, and you should always play her over Katarina, right? Because Katarina is sort of like anti uh like <laughs> anti uh tempo and LeBlanc is the opposite of that. Like LeBlanc is like a very strong like if you're on the odd like it, i mean and that does fit her well like right because you want to kind of be on the odd like and uh you know a lot of times you know they have good one drops like the the mm -hmm. siver the siver uh leblanc deck that runs uh, has, has really strong one drops like i have been really impressed like can i just talk about another card for just like a second like a card sure. that i have been thoroughly impressed by um and mm -hmm. that's the new one drop um that came from shadow isles that somehow sort of like got under my or not shadow isles i'm sorry um from sharima, sharima. That, yeah that sort of got under my radar which is the one mana two one that summons a sand soldier that if oh. unchecked on turn one is four damage to face can we talk about how um, Sharima, of their four three drops, three of them are excellent? Or sorry, not three, just one drops. Of their four <laughs> one drops, three of them are excellent. Like Bakai Reaper, Bloodthirsty Marauder, and Dunekeeper. I, I swear, the only reason like Bloodthirsty Marauder and Bakai Reaper isn't being played as much is because Dunekeeper is so busted. Dunekeeper's really good, right? Like, he's really good. Like, I if Dunekeeper wasn't in here, those two cards would probably be seeing play. Like, their one-drop pool is so good. Yeah, like, do uh, Dunekeeper, I don't know. Like, I literally have no idea how this card flew in under my radar, but it did. Like, I, I looked at it and didn't even think about it, and it if is really if have, strong. If you have turn one attack token, you deal four damage uh, if they don't have a one-drop to start. And then keep a two-one body. Don't. Like a lot of times they don't, right? And, yeah. And then and then you force your opponent to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm going to attack, and you can you can block my thing, and I'm probably gonna trade into your one drop with my one drop, my two one. Um, but then I'm gonna get this ephemeral through, and, and maybe you maybe you can block my if you if you play like um elites and you drop a two two, like yeah maybe you can double trade, but that means you're gonna take a damage on your one drop, and then I'm still gonna get two through, and then I'm still gonna be able to block with my two one after this. You know, and it's um, it's really honestly strong. not a even a a too terrible of a late game top deck because you can drop it down and you get two blockers for the price of one. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it is good for that reason too. But it's basically like it's a one mana three two of stats split over two bodies, which you would, uh, I guess Shadow Isles has what a one mana four three correct um but the whole body has ephemeral in this case you're basically getting a one mana four two but only two one of it has ephemeral like and i think that's yeah. interesting because there is there is the one mana four through the ephemeral but you're never going to have a body left over afterwards this has technically when it goes through damage wise has one less attack if it's blocked has one less health always but you are going to keep a body around after this if it's unblocked and left unchecked and uh is going to do the same in in most scenarios right this thing is going to on turn one do the same amount of damage to face as the the uh, i guess it's not shadow isles is it um uh the one mana so, elusive is it uh ionia not elusive the, the one it's mana ionia the shadow yeah fiend. the shadow fiend yeah so yeah. you're basically going to do the same thing as shadow fiend except you're going to leave a 2-1 body afterwards in, in most mm -hmm. scenarios which is so crazy like that's really good like i mean you sometimes on a one drop you were happy to have a 2-1 and this is like hey get a 2-1 and then also have the upside of maybe swinging four damage to face and leaving a two one body behind. Um, pretty strong. Yeah, I, I do want to talk just in our just kind of wrapping up discussion on this meta report. Now, granted, there's been other things. You know, there's plenty of content being posted, and we cannot blame people from posting content. Oh no like, no no! I'm, I'm you know, glad it, people it, are it, creating conversation. I feel like I feel like we're I feel like I have you know been rather harsh of this, but my harshness is not the idea of it being posted because I'm all for stuff being posted as discussion points. But my issue is the amount of people that are like citing this as hard data, you know, and the rumor mill being provided with a lot of bad information is what annoys me about it. Not so much the idea of somebody posting this and giving limited sample size data. Like that's not a bad thing to have because, it, you know, it gives us at least an impression, if not a complete one, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. But I do want to say one thing I really loved when I read this uh, was the below the statistics was um, a individual report for these champions uh, with a couple deck lists, but also um, with a little bit of impressions from this writer. Hmm. And I thought that the impressions were very balanced and fair and, uh, you know, good, good information, even if it was personal, you know, opinion. And so I really did enjoy reading a lot of that, just kind of some discussion with some of the uh, champions. I was like, like looking at Azir, there's some great data points uh, brought up here, which is uh, Azir being placed sixth in the list. And the writer said, Azir's less than stellar win rate is entirely due to how many different decks he's being thrown into. Rest assured, this champ is crazy strong and there's a lot of different ways to build him too. Like, like the writer understands that the data is not perfect it's really i mean it's not completely representative it's actually not representative really at all for different complex reasons um and i, I appreciated that so um yeah no i this is a it's a good read and if, if anything it's a really good uh way to go ahead and grab a couple deck lists if you're interested in trying something um i did also enjoy the final note talking about how vladimir is currently the 13th best champion 
<laughs> and uh, if he sees one more comment about Vlad being the worst champ or the worst card in his own deck, he's going to have an aneurysm. Uh, so please take care and mulligan for Scar Grounds responsibly. That's actually a great point and one that I kind of wanted to, I was hoping we'd get to bring up, and I won't go too deep into it, but I do think Vlad actually, there's a valid point here. Uh, I think that the Ice Shards is actually a, a pretty big boon, and I will say the Blood Letter, the Crimson Blood Letter, I, I was wrong on this card. Okay, it's um, good. I, I think the Crimson Blood Letter is going to be, I don't think it's going to be in every list, but I, I have kind of been thinking more and more about it. What I really like is its ability to come down before something that you want to get an immediate benefit out of. So for instance, like the Crimson Curator, right? Or if you have Scar Grounds, um, instantly getting that tough. But more importantly, I love its play with Braum. You can go Crimson Bloodletter, Braum, and get the Poro before you swing. Like, that's pretty mm. cool. Same with Scar Mother Vrenna. It makes Scar Mother Vrenna a lot more playable because you can instantly get her up to a 3 7 with over, or a 6 7 with Overwhelm. Um, so, Ice Shards is great, obviously, but I think that the Bloodletter is going to help out yeah. uh, a lot more than I initially, you know, when I first looked at the card, a lot more than I initially uh, uh, read into it. So, you know, um cool i i'm excited actually to play i've only gotten to play just a little bit of vlad and i'm excited to really dive back in because as you all may or may not remember that is my prismatic champion yeah my you only have to play him prismatic play. i know i've been trying to get ash in a deck that isn't running i don't <laughs> i don't i don't have my copies of leblanc yet so i haven't been mm. playing my ash deck i've been playing like i said a lot of elites but i i will say that's been the annoying thing for me personally is uh, I had a I didn't have I had enough to craft like six champs or something like that six or seven, you know. Uh, but I also knew I wanted to craft some epics and stuff like that. I had a lot of uncompleted um, champ capsules though, right mm -hmm. along my events, my uh, my rewards stuff. So I started you know kind of pouring through that, and I you know opened uh, opened my weekly chest and stuff. And and I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that I got. Um, like one of every single one. Like it didn't get doubles, didn't pull doubles. <laughs> That's tough. So I, I do unfortunately have uh, a situation where I have one copy of every champ, but a lot of them, I only have one copy. Weird. And it's just really obnoxious right now. I'm like really irked, like one LeBlanc, one Azir, one Severe, one Nasus. I actually don't even have a Jarvan, but like, it's just like I can't play these things. I only have two Renektons, two Lysandras. Like, yeah. I'm actually to the point right now where I just I need two copies of Severe and two copies of LeBlanc, and then I'll have my my full champ collection again. You know. You know, I don't really mind it. It's annoying on one hand because I I knew I I wouldn't get all of them right away. It's sure. gonna take me another couple weeks to get the rest of them, and I don't mind that. I like that. It's gonna get me to log back in. You know, but but I will say. I would have preferred to have gotten like doubles and triples, you know, and then have like five champs that I didn't have everything, but instead have five champs that I do have full play sets so that I could really dive into them. Sure. And so right now I'm really only being able to dive into like Kindred and Talia. And then I have Renekton at two copies that I've been playing, even though I don't have a third. Um, have you gotten mastery? Have you leveled up your mastery in any champs yet? I'm actually pretty close, weirdly, on Talia. Okay. Um, I I really like Talia. I think Talia is, it's a tough it's a tough champ, you know, and it's a tough 
strategy because you have to put so many cards that support it in. It's kind of like a sea monsters thing, weirdly, but it's written itself um, a little bit, not quite as bad as sea monsters. You do have some options with Talia. Well, no, no, no. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm just equating the idea that you have this, or, or maybe the better thing to, the better way to put it would probably be like Daybreak, right? Where you have this grouping of cards that you have to put in because you need it to work. I mean, you have to get summon five landmarks before Talia's, you know, playable. Um, now there's the Talia Ophelios. Uh, build out there, and there's the Talia Lysandra build that are popping. Mm -hmm. I've played the Talia uh, Aphelios a little bit, and I think it's not too bad. Um, it runs, uh, it, it runs as more of a kind of combo, uh, you know, sort of situation with the ancient hourglass trying to clone Talias. But then you also can sometimes just win with Aphelios, you know. And it's just not Which as fun because, like everyone, the game mostly when Aphelios is in your deck, is you just win it with Aphelios. Right. <laughs> and so, like everyone, Aphelios is just maybe a little boring. You also have the Lysandra Talia build, right, with the Frozen Thralls and and, and you know the Draclorn Inquisitors uh -huh. really trying to get those going. Um, now, obviously, you can still go for the uh, Talia clone with Ancient Hourglass Which because that's like the fun. most fun thing. Yeah, really, that really fun. It's super fun. I built a list that did really good like the first two days and not so great the day after. So I don't know. It might just be complete crap. But I was winning with it some. The problem is uh, with all of the uh, Azir out there and all the summoning of things, mm -hmm. people are playing Passage Unearned again mm -hmm. as like a just like an obnoxious tech card that I wish didn't exist, like a silver bullet, which unfortunately ruins Talia, like completely ruins it. Because if you clone Talia, all your Talias will die from one passenger and one three mana card, everything you set up. Yeah. Um, and I'm playing a build that makes that even worse because I was trying to do with the rock bears. I was trying to get the <laughs> rock bears to work. And yeah. actually, actually they do. Like the rock bears actually work. Like you can really consistently get rock bears out. But when you get passage unearned over and over again, uh, it's just completely pointless to play. So before people were teching, it was doing really well. And the reason why is I was running only Talia, like no other champs. And so I could really consistently pull her into my hand with right of calling. Sure. Um, and I love that. I love, by the way, right of calling is such a cool card. I love the idea of like, if I really, it's not even the idea of like getting a champ in hand, like from entreat. I like that already. But I also just like that going forward, I'm going to have a way that if I only ever want to run this one champion, I want to consistently know that I'll put this champion in my hand. I can run right of calling and guarantee a, you know, the draw of that one champion. I like the being able to hedge my bets and construct my deck in such a way that I can make those situations, which would be like a coin flip territory. I can make it so that it's a guaranteed thing. I, I like those types of, those types of cards. And I really like the flavor of the uh of the theme of the like the uh desert like you know wind riders like sand riders and stuff all the cards have really fun voice lines that all interact with each other um yeah it's cool also rock hopper i think is my favorite card from the set uh there's a two mana three one that summons the the thing that makes things vulnerable is that rock hopper yeah the yeah the roiling stands yeah yeah i uh -huh. think rock hopper might be my 
maybe not my favorite, my most impressed with card. I think this is the most uh, elegant card design in the set. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, it is a really cool card, and I've actually liked that card from the beginning. One thing that I wanted to talk about before we move on um, and uh, and work on our, work our way out of here is, um, is I, I, I'm kind of curious because I obviously like day one, like one of the exciting things. So one of the selling points for this set, of course, was Ascended Champions, right? The mm. sort of mono Serima uh, builds, and we have seen um, a couple of mono builds not do bad, um, but non mono Serima necessarily it seems as though sort of the desire to level up those champions to level three has died off a bit um now i went ahead and piloted uh a azir atalia deck um that uh, that wanted to do you know get azir to level three and replace the deck with the emperor and i just took it in and piloted against the computer because i want to do it against ai i had the quest to level up a certain amount of serima champions and i just wanted to see sort of like how it would work and it, it is really interesting because if you get two sun discs on the board they both trigger when you level up azir and drop them by 20 points and put them up to level three um which is pretty easy to do because you duplicate it with talia typically to level her up around that point and then you pretty easily level up Azir, and then he goes to level three, replaces your deck, and if you dig to the last card in your deck, which I think it's always the last card in your deck, like that replaces your deck with the Emperor's deck, and I think always the last card is a 10-mana summon a level three um, Renekton and Nasus. And so I did that a couple times because it was fun, and it's really enjoyable, but it's not super good. Now, do we think that's because mono regions are not great, is that because this ascended synergy, the payoff isn't significant enough for it to be good? Or are we just suffering once again because we don't have all of the Serima cards in one go? Like, does this mono Serima ascended deck get better? Potentially the more cards that we get and maybe get another one or two ascended champions? I, I was just kind of curious about what your take was on that, because of course, a lot of people experimenting with it on day one. It's been pretty clear that like this deck isn't even on the meta reports. Like people just knew like this deck's probably not good yet. Um, or is it not good ever? Like, I, I, I was kind of curious about what your take on that might be, uh, DBN. Um, it's going to be a, it's two things. Um, as far as mono Sharima specifically goes i don't think that mono decks are necessarily bad we've seen mono decks that have performed really well in the past when there's a big payoff so you've got and not true mono necessarily but they could have been like you had uh right at the uh you know for a long time you had bannerman which was you know but depending on who you asked between three and nine cards of another faction but you 100 could play and people did play completely mono demacia uh, Bannerman lists that were very successful. Yeah, and that's what I'm playing right now is my Elite's Bannerman deck is is Mono Demacia. Right. And uh, second point, you actually had a, a good run where you had uh, mostly uh, Mono Bilgewater back before the Riptide Rex and uh, a Yordle Grifter nerf because mm -hmm. Grifter was just so good. Yeah. There was enough good cards you had a, appropriately, I plant my flag on this, you had an appropriately priced uh um shoot was it rain of uh um what's the make, make it rain, it rain. Mm -hmm. i swear that should i, I should go back I, to two i think it's i ready. want it back I think to it's two. ready to be back to uh two. there's gonna be so many people that would yell at me for this but i want it back to two i don't even care what you say i i believe it should be back to two it's a core identity card anyways um just play just play things with less than with more than one health 
You know, you don't like it, play things with more than one health. Um, anyways, or things with tough. Print, print more tough. Um, I actually really like tough, by the way, as a uh, as a mechanic. Um, but I, I, you know, that deck succeeded uh, from a mono standpoint as well. So can a mono deck succeed? Yes. The payoff has to be there. Um, I think there's two things right now that are holding it back. One, the sun disc starting in hand only happens if you have a true allegiance. So a true 40 cards, you can't splash a single card. And the issue with sun disc is you really can't, if you want sun disc to trigger, you really can't afford to wait a couple turns to find it yeah. or risk never finding it, right? You, you have to get it. And that's why it exists. I really like the design aspect of it, but it is going to suck not being able to splash two or even three cards where a the technical allegiance keyword would trigger 90% of the time. Yes. Right? So that's a big difference between allegiance, the keyword, and true allegiance where you are not able to splash anything. And the reason why that's a problem now is the second part where, uh, yeah, there's just less cards and there's also not a way to balance your deck against multiple archetypes super well since Sharima is a largely board-centric list. Not necessarily that it, it always plays for the board, but that it always seems to care about the board. It mostly interacts with the opponent through board combat uh, with the vulnerable and the challenger granting. So you have a situation where you don't have a lot of ways to counter some very popular strategies um, unless you go into another faction. And then when you already don't have a full pool of faction cards, it's just not going to be consistent enough. I've seen some videos where when they hit well, it's actually pretty strong, but you really have to hit the right kind of conjunction of cards. You got to really line up the right cards in the right order for it to pop off. And when it does, it's awesome. But when it doesn't, maybe not so great. When it doesn't, not so great. And they don't have the resources and the card pool to fall back on in those situations. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. Yeah, I think that the deck overall, like, I, I'm interested to see what it will do. But I do think the deck probably gets better um, once we see more cards. I think that this is one of those scenarios where we probably maybe have just not seen quite enough. Um, quite enough of the Serima set to see. I mean, right, like you're you're functioning with a fraction of the cards that other sets have. Um, and then you're also being said, play this with nothing but these cards, right? Like your your yeah. opportunities you are just, just limited yeah. there. And um which you know what it is that is what it is. Like I like I get I get why they're I mean I obviously, think, but I think that I think it will get better with time. There was a lot well, of excitement around it at first. Right. So I chatted with I chatted with, actually, I heard the same two comments from the two people that I talked with the most about LOR outside of you, okay? So sure. that's Gibbles and Bits and my dad, right? So chatting about it with both of them, when this set was being previewed, both of them had the same reaction. Their reaction was, holy crap, power creep. And I was like, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really easy to look at the Ascended Champions and be like, what, there's level three champions now? Well, what the heck, this is, this is going the way of Hearthstone. Right, where just every set is progressively way stronger and making the other ones obsolete. I'm glad that that's not the case. By the way, I'm not saying that that was their 
only opinion that, that, that it was, you know, I, I don't want Gibby and being like, yeah, you made me sound dumb. Like that's not what he was saying, but the simple idea of the, the first impression of what level three champs now, like this is just some new overpowered gimmick. Right. And I'm really happy to see that that is not really the case. You know, if you were able to super consistently get that, that probably wouldn't be good for the game. Yeah. I can you know? agree with that. Yeah. And so I think that, it, you know, it, that was the big flashy thing that I think got a lot of people engaged. And that's a good thing. You want people, you know, you want the Timmies to look at that. Oh, but I could get my 10-10 Renekton. Ooh, right? You want that. That's a type of player you want engaging with your game, you know? Uh, and so I think that if, if Sundisk never becomes better than Tier 2, that's the ideal situation. But, you know, if it became tier two, that would satisfy a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think it was just interesting to look at because, right, like. For sure. Anytime they push something. And, I mean, this was very. It, and if this had not been, like, the thing, right? But it was the thing, right? It was, like, the thing that they were very clearly, like, pushing towards the beginning of this. That I think it's interesting to engage about that because it's like, okay, was this a success? Wasn't it a success? Will it be? Mm-hmm. Um, because there are things that could just be like, well, no, this just isn't successful. Like, this is just bad. Um, or it could be one of those things where we're dealing with the very, like, the, just the pure reality of the fact that we don't have every card yet, right? And that is, there's a difference because the, the set, this this set mm-hmm. operates different. Like, LOR operates different. And I think it's, it's very interesting to keep going back and saying, how does well, this operate different than other card games in the way that they do releases? Well, and so here's my other thing, right? Like we are, are we, we're five days in five days. Yeah. Not very long. And everybody, you know, and, and, and for, for, again, I'm, I'm being a little bit of facetious here, but everybody is, is looking to try to have the final say already and tell people definitively what is and what isn't. We are so far from that. We're two or three weeks out from that at best. You know, and LOR is a game that is so much harder to solve a metaphor than games like Hearthstone. It's just a much more fluid, it's a more complicated game. Yeah, it's way more complex, um, right? And so there's just, there's so much that is yet to be discovered. There is so much uh, that has yet to be tested, has yet to be refined. This is going to look so much different even in just one week. And, you know, really, that should be a, a really exciting thing for players. Absolutely. Yeah. And it excites me about this game that there is there's there's more complexity than I can figure out always right away. Right. And yeah. um, and I love that. I, that is one of the things that makes me sort of adore L.O.R. is there's so often um, just things that I can't I can't figure out always. Right. Um, and uh, and it keeps me coming back to it because I'm like, oh, well, what if I did try that, right? Or <laughs> mm, what about this in this scenario, right? And so I, I yeah, I think that uh, I'm I'm really happy with what they've done with Sharima overall. I think that what they've done has just been really cool. Um, they've done so many new and unique things with this particular set, and it just shows, it continues to show that right, this team, the team is not. 
it, the team is willing to take risks and um yeah. and i i love that about the lor team and i love that about you know everything that we've seen from them so far so i'm i'm yeah. continuing to be encouraged um i do want to uh real fast because i you know we're going to be getting out of here real soon but i wanted to pitch something here uh so riot if you're listening let me pitch you an idea uh We've got a lot of people talking about this whole Ladros concurrent timeline, Dreadway, you know, Bonanza. Mm -hmm. I think Bonanza is the best word for it. Um, last week, I said, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Don't think it's going to be that, you know, much of a problem. I actually still kind of think that because I think people the vast majority of people are going to gravitate towards a more consistent wind condition. And as long as there is a more consistent wind condition presenting itself in the same faction combinations, um, you know, or just the general faction, you know, you're going to see people move away from the 60%, whatever chance. But I also could see the idea now having played it, having messed around with it of them changing it just as a good faith thing, right? Because it's not super fun to lose to. And I'll be honest, you know, I tried it out. It's not super fun to win with. You know, it's it's a little bit <laughs> fair. You know, so I can see them saying, hey, you know, this isn't really the kind of, you know, low, uh, you know, low strategy win, you know, rate kind of thing that we want. It, you know what it reminded me of a little bit? A, a, a more streamlined Yogg-Saron. If you remember Yogg-Saron from Hearthstone. Uh-huh, yeah. You know? It was, you know, Yogg-Saron was fun and funny because it was just random crap. But at the end of the day, you usually won after Yogg-Saron, right? Yes. You know, occasionally you'd pyroblast yourself in the face and lose, and that would be hilarious. You wouldn't even hate it. There's a difference here. You have the same kind of general percentage. Yeah, you play Ladros with concurrent timelines, and you're probably going to win, right? But there's a chance you might not. The difference is in the presentation, right? Like... When you played Yog saron you, you were on a wild ride and everybody seemed to have fun with the craziness that was happening. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Yogg was definitely a, a wild... I mean, people got really upset with it by the end, right? Right. Like, I mean, I, I loved it. I played but... it in so many... My favorite deck was Lock and Load Hunter, where whenever you played a Hunter spell, you got a new Hunter spell. Oh, yeah. Or something I'm, like I'm that. I'm well aware. I remember Lock and Load Hunter. That was Hunter. my yep. favorite. I loved it. And I played, you know, Yog saron and a couple other things. Oh, that was my favorite deck in Hearthstone ever. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, the difference is really in the presentation. And, and the presentation in this one is just so dull. It's okay. I play Ladros. I look at three cards. If Gangplank's there, it just happens and then the game's over. You know, it's even though it's probably about the same percentage chance to win off of that single combination of cards, now obviously the rest of the board state would matter from a little bit more for Yogg. So it's a little bit fairer. But, this is not fun, even though it's not that it doesn't seem at right now that it's that good that it's going to stick around for a while, but it still isn't fun. So the Mimi percentage chance to win thing isn't enjoyable enough to keep around. Right. So I think, you know, now, even though I think does it need to be nerfed? No. Should it be? I think yes. I think I'm changing my my vote there. I think it should be because it's just not adding anything. It's not adding anything fun. And my pitch, don't mess with concurrent timelines. 
because when I've played concurrent timelines, I've had a lot of fun up until that winning that way. And definitely don't change, change Ladros because Ladros is a great card. It's stuck around. It's been in and out. I think it's just a good card overall. It's balanced. It's fine. I think you should change the Dreadway. Really? I think the idea is a complete overhaul of the Dreadway to enable it to play with Gangplank in a more consistent fashion akin to the Dreadnought and Swain. Hmm. The simple reality is if you blow up the Dreadway's doubling effect, the deck doesn't exist anymore. But you don't want to nerf the card that's been a consistent mainstay, but a balanced mainstay of SI late game control, which is Ladros. And even worse, you don't want to nerf the new cool, funny card that you just printed. You don't want to nerf a card you just printed. But instead, how about nerfing the card that sees almost no main deck presence outside of a super meme keg deck? Yeah. Like, why not rework the card that is played the least and that has the least connections to the champion that it has in its own effect? Yeah, I I can get I can get on board with that. I uh yeah, I could I could definitely. I mean, yeah, maybe make the dreadway do a little rework of the dreadway, make him work really well, kind of giving gangplank a buff, um and also stopping this this what what could be arguably kind of like a silly, you know, what people are saying kind of is like a silly thing. Uh st- stopping that from being a thing. I I'm 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 totally on board with that. I like I like that yeah. uh, I like that opinion. I like your opinion there, DBN. Cool. Well, I, that was my uh, my last thing I have, but uh, I've been thinking a lot about it this week and and how I would fix it. Got into a couple discussions with some people, so yeah, no, I, I uh, yeah, let's rework the dreadway. Let's rework. As if I have any say in it. Let's just, guys. <laughs> let's just all. Uh, let's just all rework the dreadway. Come on, let's just, rework the dreadway. Just do yep. it. Come on, guys. And actually, just... here here we go. Um, if you guys are listening, uh. In a podcast discussion, give me your best pitch on how to rework the Dreadway. And uh, whichever one I think is best, and um, Mark will pick one too, we'll discuss that on next week's episode. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that uh, a rework on Dreadway would be excellent. So yeah, get get, get some ge- suggestions, some suggestions in there for your rework rework on Dreadway, and we'll we'll see what we can uh, we'll see what we can come up with. Um, let's go ahead and work our way out of here. We'll go ahead and move on over uh, to closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. So my closing thoughts today were, uh, and DBN, do you remember what your closing thoughts were from like a week ago that we said were amazing and then I forgot what they were? No. No, it was from like a couple of weeks ago. Go back and listen to the episode from a couple of weeks ago because it was it was really good. So it, I'm in like this stage in life where there's um there's like a handful of different things that are kind of like closure. Uh, they're like doing, there, there's some like closure things going on in my life which has been fine. Like it's been, hasn't been bad. Um, but it's made me do a little bit of, I guess it's made me do some reflecting recently. Um, that's been really, I I don't know, it's been helpful. Um, and I was actually thinking this morning of sort of like the power of your first thought each day and what your first thought has the ability to do for you either positively or negatively. And I'm still sort of like, I'm still sort of just like been thinking about that most of the morning. Like, man, like I, 
depending on what my first thought is of the day, and, and like it goes back to sort of like the ideas of like waking up on the wrong side of the bed, right? Yeah, you, you remember that, like growing up or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed or whatever. And, there, and there's some truth to that, like you can wake up grumpy or whatever. But what your first thought of the day is matters so much. And taking a moment to sort of like center yourself, um, taking a moment um, to say a prayer, taking a moment um, to look in the mirror and remind yourself of who you are before the rest of the world, including social media, lies to you about what makes people happy. Um, Looking in the mirror and and reminding yourself of what matters to you, looking in your children's faces or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or whoever faces, um, your parents and reminding yourself of what is most important to you before you look at work email and sort of um, are reminded about sort of like either this is who I am um, by by my value comes from what I do and not from who I am as a person um, or my value comes from the lack of, of who I am, right? If you're in a place of work that beats you up a lot and you are, are constantly sort of reminded of the fact that you're insufficient. Um, I think it's just important to, to center yourself in the morning in some ways and just sort of like, okay, for me, like that's prayer time, right? That's like waking up and having a spare moment to pray before I rush down and boot up the stream on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or before I'm off to my first meeting. Um, It's going to sleep early enough so I can wake up early enough to just sort of have even 30 seconds sometimes can do the trick to like take a deep breath in your nose, out your mouth, center yourself, don't rush. My day is so much worse when I wake up um, with the wrong thought and then I allow that to sort of dictate uh, the pace and and the sort of the candor of the rest of my day. So that's my closing thought. Just like be careful about what thought you let in your head for the first time each day and, and guard that. Like, make sure that you're not allowing unhelpful or poisonous thoughts to be the first thing into your brain each day. Um, allow it to be helpful things. I, I think that just sort of sets the tone and puts you in a good place for the remainder of the day. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because, like, I don't think when I wake up, <laughs> no, I'm the nothing. quintessential, <laughs> I'm the quintessential night owl who is absolutely dysfunctional in the morning. Like, just a just an idiot. Like my brain is just <laughs> operating at just three percent capacity (laughs) i'm just like wandering around my apartment like a zombie trying to like find work clothes get a shower you know and then i i usually have to take like three laps around the apartment to to pick up the different things i need so i'll be like okay i got my wallet where's my phone i just set it down over there crap all right now where's my keys (laughs) i put it over there crap you know uh but i will say um you know, once I get into work and, and sit down at my desk and kind of take that breath of like, okay, I'm here. Let's I get made started. It. I made it today. <laughs> made it, right. I think that there is, it's very easy. I just, for me, it's been very easy to slip into that. Oh, crap, work. Oh, gosh. Like, don't want to do this. Don't want to be here. Don't want to be doing this with my life. Don't want to be whatever, right? But it helps so much to, before you even do that, like for me, just think about what I'm going to do afterwards. I know that sounds super cliche and stuff, but like, it's like that working for the weekend vibe, right? It's all about the context, you know, and it helps so much, especially if you're in a job that you don't like or a job, even that's just draining. Mm -hmm. It helps to, instead of focusing on, you know, the eight hours in front of you, Focus on what that eight hours enables you to do afterwards and what that income, what that, those resources, you know, enable you to do that you love, right? It's just so much easier and it doesn't help it. It doesn't help you 
you know, if you want to eventually move out of it, it, it's just for getting through the day. I have just found so much value in instead of dreading the work you have to do, just forcing yourself to remind you, hey, this is putting a roof over my head, but it's also allowing me to go and, you know, go spend time at the climbing gym, you know, and and have the gear that I need to do that. You know, it allows me to, you know, spend a little money to get that cool new board in LOR, which is just is a huge hobby. You know, it's allowing you to do things. And it just helps me so much for getting through that day. And it's just that little thing. Just flip the script and remind yourself, yeah, this isn't great. I have to do this to survive. But it also helps me do the things I love. Sure. Let me, okay, let me give you one more and then we're done uh, this Saturday because I thought, I just thought about this and I thought it'd be funny to share the story. This Saturday, we had a great day and my wife was out with my older daughter and on their way back, my daughter got car sick. They got stuck behind a semi truck that got jackknifed and then my daughter vomited all over herself, um, which is disgusting. Then we came home and pure chaos broke out in my household between my two daughters. And then I took the dog for a walk and the dog tried to take a dump and the dog couldn't get the dump off the dog's butt. So I had to manually pull poop off of my dog and then it got caked to the dog's hair and so I had to take the dog back and I had to try to clean the dog's hair with wet naps and the dog tried to bite me because it didn't know what I was doing to its butt and then I had to give the dog a treat pin the dog to the ground and take a pair of scissors and shear the poop hair off of the dog's butt and throw it away and got poop on me in the process of shearing off the poop hair and then we came in and my daughter just lost her crap because she was so exhausted during dinner and ended up going to bed without eating dinner because she refused to eat dinner. Um, And that's the first time as a father I was pushed to about my limit, about where it was like I'm ready to lose my mind. Um, Some days, some days, no matter how good of thoughts you have, they go to crap and you go to bed and you start again tomorrow. (laughs) And and some days, like, it's just, it's just a shit show. Like, it's at some point it goes shit show and you can't do anything about it and you're just yeah. like you know what there's a really good thing that's going to end at the end of today and that's this day it's going to end yeah and i'm going to get up tomorrow and do something different oh uh, sometimes you just yeah. need that reminder too oh my yeah. goodness it, it was really quite is a saturday just, just, <laughs> just in summary we're just here providing you little, little tactics that'll help you get through your shit covered Saturdays. Yeah, make you, <laughs> let, let you get through that dog crap, guys. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get out of here. DBN, if someone wanted to find you, how could they find you, my friend? Yeah, it's just going to mostly be through uh, the Discord these days, but never feel scared to at me and ping me in the channel or if you really want to private message me with the debt code or ask a question or anything like that, I'm not shy. Um, also something that I, I find is really fun is when people submit their questions about, uh, whether it's LOR or just us related in the podcast discussion channel, Mm -hmm. I really enjoy reading those and, you know, it's, it's fun to engage with people. And if there's a particularly interesting or amusing question you guys have for us, don't be shy, put it in there and we'll probably end up reading it off on the episode. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. Often we do. Often we do. Yeah. 
Uh, for me, I stream every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. We're going to go back to Expeditions this Wednesday, um, and uh, that's at twitch.tv slash the lift. On top of that, my wife and I, my family, along with my team, are starting an online church uh, for the gaming community. That might seem weird to you, but I'm a pastor. Um, and so if you're interested in that, actually, a couple hours after this episode goes live, we will be releasing our very first YouTube video announcing the start of everything with our online church. And so I'm going to go ahead and throw a link to the YouTube in the description of this episode so if you're interested in sort of checking that out or plugging into it uh the name of the church is lux and it's not named after the lol champ or the lor champ it's named after the word light and, unless that uh, unless that gets you to sign up unless that gets you to come out. check it out and then yeah that's what it's about um <laughs> and we are singing and we're learning about the lol champ no that's not what we're doing uh that would be a cult um so yeah feel free to come over and and check that out as well would be honored to have anybody from the community come over and and seriously guys like do feel free to reach out to us um i do spend a lot of time with people in the community just in like a zoom call or a discord call um hanging out with people and getting to know people i uh, hung out with someone this past week and they're like this is so weird i listen to your voice all the time and i've <laughs> this is like the first time i've ever gotten something like that before um and i was like yeah i'm just like a, i'm a dude i mean i know that i have a <laughs> yeah. voice but i'm really just a dude like i'm pretty laid back um so you know, and we hung out. It was great. We like uh, we had a great, great time, and we hung out for like forty five minutes. Got to know each other uh, pretty well, well as well as you can get to know over Zoom in forty five minutes. But um, you know, we really, really got to put a face with the with the name, and then and then also put it with the uh, screen name, um, which was which was really it cool. Is, uh, so it is always weird when somebody's like, "Oh man, I, I I watch your content or I listen to your content, man. That's awesome." And it's like. This is weird. I'm uncomfortable now. <laughs> Literally, how I was with DBN until we uh, until now we're just friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's always weird. You're like, I'm just, I'm just a person. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't even, you know, you, you start doing content creation because you enjoy the content. You you enjoy doing it. And yeah, you just, you just you're sharing it. that joy. It's just, it's uh, but then you get to the point where people are like viewing it as like entertainment and that's when it starts getting awkward you're like i thought we were just hanging out <laughs> yeah really it was what we're doing um don't even know that much about lor <laughs> um, i only have a podcast about yeah, it <laughs> but speaking of if you did if you guys do want to get uh like if you would love to i don't know meet people in real life um you can always feel free to, like let us know in the discord dbn and i have talked about doing meetups before and we were going to do a meetup in northern virginia last year but of course COVID hit this year COVID sort of waning-ish. It sort of depends on the area of the world and the political party that you talk to, but um, it seems to be sort of like sort of like ebbing a little bit, and so if that's the case, we are going to try to do a, a Legends cast meetup at some point this year. Uh, more because I want to hang out with DBN than anything else, but but also if you would right. want to get involved. Like, me. Yeah, that's true, but um, right. no, you're all, you're, you're all important. Um, <laughs> you're not! Don't listen to him! Um, what, a, what a way to get out of here. So um, yeah, if that would be something that you would be interested in, be sure to let us know. Um, also, I think I promised you guys T-shirts at some point. Um, we're going to do that. We're just going to do it in April. My life is yeah, just absolutely too insane right now. So um, in April, yeah, in April. So, okay, check all that stuff Get out. Ahead. Thank you guys for listening. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is there any way we can drag this out for another 10 minutes? No, we probably shouldn't. No. Yeah. All right, well. Okay. Peace. No, all right, fine. I'll, I'll get over it. Okay. <laughs> Peace, guys. We love you. Yeah, be sure to come back again next week. 
Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.